0: morning. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. We're continuing our journey through the book of Romans. And uh, we're going to split this chapter up into a couple of Sundays because there's a lot of heavy stuff in there. Uh, So Romans is one of the books that I love the most in scripture, which is funny because a lot of people hate it. Um, They think Paul's being a little too harsh and too demanding. Uh, But I think Paul is doing a phenomenal job of explaining to us the importance of this life that we live as Christians. And before we get started, i got a bummed with y'all. I noticed that over the last couple of weeks when I'm speaking, I have developed this tendency to look like a Tyrannosaurus race. And none of y'all pointed that out to me. I'm just saying, y'all let me walk up here doing like this. So I'm going to try not to do that. I just saw that and I was like, well, that's Mildly embarrassing. (laughs) That's the worst thing I do, I'll be okay. But Paul is taking the life of the believer, and he is contrasting it to the way and the opinion and the thoughts of the world, and he's trying to highlight who we are to be, given that the gospel has invited us to new. I think one of the biggest misunderstandings that we have of the message of Jesus Christ is when we take it and we consider it as something that just that good people do to make sure that everything after this life is taken care of. And you know, we have talked about that fire insurance mentality before. We give our lives to Jesus, we walk the, the straight and narrow, keep our noses clean and everything will be good to go. But what Paul does is he takes what Jesus Christ did on the cross and he breaks it down for us to see it in light of every single piece of the person that we are. From our mental understanding to the condition of our heart to the desires of our heart to the actions that we have on special occasions but then in everyday life. And I promise you that is something that a lot of us probably don't consider from day to day life. Is how does this simple action you've got before? How does this simple action show that I have been radically changed because of what Jesus Christ has done in my own life? And so in chapter 6, Paul is going to be talking about how the power of sin is no longer able to control the life of an individual. And and I'll tell you, I'll just be honest with you, that when I read this chapter, it makes me think of all those things that you know you have going on, you're like, how does she really stop this? Or I know this isn't what God wants, or perhaps this is something that I can work on in my life, but maybe it's not that big a deal, and we can let it go. You know, this is that chapter. But Paul does some phenomenal explaining about how even when we feel that sin has more control in areas of our life than we think it should, because of the power of the Spirit, we still have the power to change that. But even more so than that, Paul actually points out the fact that sin has more control in our lives than a lot of us even realize. Not that we're mean and malicious people. But that we sell ourselves far short of the glory that God is wanting to do in us. So let's pray real quick, and then we're going to read those first 14 chapters, or first 14 verses. Sorry, you would not want to say it for 14 chapters, 14 verses of Romans 6. Let's pray. Father God, I ask that above all things, through the reading of Scripture this morning, that we would hear you, that you would be glorified from our ears. Being able to hear what you have spoken to us. God, through the work of your son, Jesus Christ, who invited us to new life. Yet sin present in our lives often keeps us from ever experiencing that newness. So God, this morning, may your word come alive for us. May it speak the power of your truth. May it give us an understanding beyond our capability to conceive. God, may it give us a desire to live our lives as worship, to turn away from the things that you have said, and have fallen short of the glory that you demand. God, let us worship you through your way. May you be with us, and we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Well, then, should we keep on sitting so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how could we ever continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined with Him in His death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with Him in His death, we will also be raised together with Him as He was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with Him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and He will never die again. Death no longer has any power over Him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So do not let sin control the way that you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any of your parts of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For once you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to show what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law, but instead you live under the freedom of God's grace. So you remember, I've told you several times throughout uh, our understanding and our looking at Romans, that Paul was talking to a group of people who were trying to consider what it meant to live free from sin and what it meant to live as people under grace. And you had people approaching this from several different views. And one of those views was that if sin is made or if grace is made available in the presence of sin, then that's kind of like our free-for-all to allow God to do his thing. And you can imagine Paul's mentality when he heard somebody say, well, why don't we just sin as much as we can? That way we'll get as much of grace as, as is available to us. That sounds kind of silly, doesn't it? It's like saying, let's set ourselves on fire so we can get some free cold water. You know what I'm saying? But that's what Paul was dealing with. And Paul was also dealing with some people who come from the very strict Jewish background who saw this as the understanding that if grace was the thing that forgave you, then you could live however you wanted to because it was no longer necessary to live according to the law of God. But what Paul wants people to understand is, is that when Jesus Christ entered the scene and grace became available, there was a new way of connecting with God that was not at once available. Paul says very early on, and he says it throughout the course of a lot of his writings, that death to sin is what removed the believer from the control of sin. There's an old black and white movie um about the gladiators and all that. One of the statements in that movie is that the only thing that gladiators don't fear is death because that's the only time they will experience freedom. And that's what Paul is talking about here is that the power of sin in the life of an individual it is so powerful and it is so good at doing what it does that Paul says the only way that you can truly experience freedom from sin is to die to it. And he says, but the good thing for the believer is is that death to sin through Jesus Christ removes us from the control of sin? Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I still struggle with that. Don't you? Yeah, okay. Just make sure with me. The theologian Orton would say, to obey the cravings of sin is to be alive to sin, but to deny or not obey the cravings of sin, or to succumb to the will of one's flesh, is to be dead to sin. That's a big powerful statement. Because what it's doing is it's putting the ball in the court of the individual as to how they will respond to sin. And I will tell you that it is very easy for us to say, well, that's just the power of sin in me. That's just something that God's going to have to forgive me for. John MacArthur would say that after a person has experienced a new life in Christ, if sin continues, it's simply because they choose to live. Those are heavy words. But if you think about what Paul has just said here on these pages, he's exactly right. That if we continue to live in a way that Christ has said we have been set free from, then either Jesus is a liar or we're simply choosing to let something happen. Have you ever thought of the power of the statement that you can make in yourself? When you're you're facing down something that we'll say you struggle with. And you say, you know what? Because of Jesus Christ, I simply choose not to do that. There's a lot of power in that statement. You know why? Because when we as individuals choose something, we invest a lot more into it than if we are made to do something. That's where that idea of free will comes into play. We could all love God if we were made to. But we get to choose to. We don't respond to Jesus Christ because we're made to, but we respond to Jesus Christ because we choose to. And so the statement that if a sin continues, it's because we choose to let it, reveals to us just exactly how powerful sin is. Now, I know that in southern United States, southeastern United States, Bible Belt region, we have really taken sin, this thing that causes death and separation from God, And we've turned it almost into those little primary school no-no's that get you the slap on the wrist with a ruler. Oh, don't do that, that's a sin. Don't do that, that's a sin. But the reality of it is, and what Paul is wanting us to hear, is that's part of what sin does, is it takes the things that are major infractions in the spiritual world that can cause separation between us as humans and a holy and perfect God, and make them seem insignificant to the point where we go, oh, well, you know, I'm just imperfect. That's what I deal with. Or it's not that big a deal. The most dangerous thing you could ever say is that sin's not a big deal. Because when sin becomes not a big deal, it becomes convenient. And when sin becomes convenient, it becomes normal. And when sin becomes normal, guess what? It replaces the things of God. So Paul is wanting us to hear that when we are dead to sin, sin cannot reign in us anymore. And if sin continues to reign in us, then we need to ask ourselves, have we ever been truly alive with Christ? You know, the biggest disappointment I think we could experience is to live our entire life and never experience this new life that Christ is talking about. To invest all that money and time and going to church to take that semester to teach those little even children, (laughs) to lose our mind and go on that trip as a chaperone with the youth, and then find out we never really even got to experience what that was supposed to give us. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? But Paul's talking to a group of people here that have taken this life, this new life, and they have deduced it by semantics And to seeing it as something that could either be not significant or not enough that we should have to worry about it. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do in the life of the believer. It's not to make you a bad person. It's not to make you an evil person. It's not necessarily to make you uh, a selfish person. It's just to want to keep you from experiencing that new life. Because it understands that if you live new life, then God gets glory. And sin doesn't want us to experience glory. But unfortunately, for many believers, sin continues in its full power. And sometimes, when we get into the Word of God and we read the reasoning behind why sin is considered sin, it amplifies its power uh, to dominate our life and our decisions. We see what our neighbor has, and that's what we want. Well, that, they're enjoying that, so we should do that. Well, they don't think it's a big deal, so we shouldn't think it's a big deal. But Paul's saying if we have been baptized with Christ, not so much the water act of baptism, but he's talking about the spiritual baptism, having the Spirit of God claim us, wash over us, and mark us for new life. If we have been baptized with Christ, then Paul says we've been acknowledged just as Christ's death was. Remember what happened when Christ died on the cross? He did what? He took all the sin of the world the things that demanded our life as payment. The things that demanded justification. He took all that with Him to the grave. And then when He rose again, He did away with it. Now how does Christ do away with something only for us to resurrect and to keep holding on normal? One of the best statements I ever heard one time is Christ tore the curtain in the temple in two. And we've been trying to put it back together. since. So Christ took the sin of the world. The sin that... Declared you and I dead to God and unable to be in the presence of God, He took it and He did away with it for forever. So Paul says, if we have been, uh, if we have died with that sin, how can we breathe in it again? And the reality of it is, is a lot of us, most of us, probably every single one of us, have something that was deathful, death, deathful, deathful, dangerous, bad, not of God. Let's go that not of God. Yeah. Try and make a big word into do we have something that God did not intend for us, and we try to hang on to it. We consider it so integral to who we are that the thought of it not being a part of us anymore it is actually scary. And we panic. That's how powerful, that's how dangerous sin is. It's not just being good people. It's not just giving a little extra when we have a little extra But sin was meant to take you and and to keep you from discovering that in Jesus Christ, you have been given new life. Life that is meant to affect every single part of who you are. So if we do not first and foremost understand sin and we don't understand its goals and the effects of what it does to us as people according to scripture. Understand, we have to define sin According to Scripture. There's no other source that can define what sin is or isn't for us. Or else we're calling God a liar. And we're saying that all this stuff that we've been doing is really just suggestions. And I don't know about you, I don't want to base eternity on that. I don't want to spend my whole life investing in something if I don't believe it's real. Are you going to invest a million dollars in something you don't believe in? Absolutely not. I'm not going to invest $10 in something I don't think I'm going to believe in. Quit going to think dollars that. But if we do not understand what sin does, and we've allowed another source to define for us what sin is and what sin does, then the reality of it is we've most likely allowed something else to define for us what faith is. What it means to be a person who believes in Jesus Christ. And we've probably allowed some other source to define for us what living as a Christian should be. i got news for you. I'm going to upset some of you this morning. Living as a Christian is not just coming to church on Sunday morning. Living as a Christian is not just three minutes in the morning to make sure that everything goes your way that day. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, and when Jesus Christ rose again three days later... It is not just that you would look at somebody and smile and go, well, bless your heart when they did you wrong. There's big things happening in the spiritual world when Jesus Christ died and rose again, and we cannot reduce it down to just <clears throat> being nice people. I don't think God would have sent his son to die just to make us nice people. We teach that in kindergarten. We use crayons and ice cream, and it works pretty good most of the time. I don't think Jesus needed to die to make us nice people. But you see, that's how powerful sin is. It tells us that as long as we're nice, as long as we treat other people as we want to be treated, then we're good to go. When the reality is, is that Paul is saying there's so much more being done. This new life that you have been invited to separates you the things that are trying to kill you. I was one time, you know the the passage in Romans where it said, we do not wrestle uh, with flesh and blood, we wrestle against the things of powers, powers, principalities, darkness, things like that. You know that verse? It said as Christians, when we live, we don't live that we might have a good day, but we are fighting the very one who seeks to take people's souls. Have you ever thought about that? Is what your job as a believer is—is is to join in the battle against the spiritual forces that are seeking to take people's souls. That's a lot. That's a big responsibility. Yeah. That's more responsibility than three minutes of preparation in the morning is going to take care of this. But you know, the worst kind of soldier on the battlefield. Not the bad shot soldier, because even these people keep looping his head down. The most dangerous soldier on the battlefield is the soldier that doesn't know what's going on. That doesn't know where the enemy is. Because if you don't know where the enemy is, what happens? They can take over you, and you can't do anything about it. But they can also take over your buddies. Because you don't know where they're coming from. The most dangerous Christian, the most dangerous understanding of what it means to be a believer is the person that does not understand what's going on. And the reality of it is is that that's where sin wants to keep us. Being okay, being comfortable, being happy with ourselves, confident in ourselves, but not really knowing that we are in a battle fighting for people's souls. It is a dangerous place to be. So Paul says that if you have died with Christ, then not only have you been... Buried to sin and no longer is sin allowed to rule you unless you choose to let it. He said, but you have been raised again. Not only just to live symbolically of what Christ did. Not only to have encouraging words and to say big things when somebody asks about your faith. But, get this, Christian. You have been raised again to be the example of God's glory. Just as Jesus Christ defeated death and he walked out of that tomb on the third day and everybody looked at him and said, truly, 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 this is an act of God. That's what your life is meant to be. The manifestation of God's power and ultimate purpose, which is the redemption of humanity. You know what you'll never read in the Gospels? Is that the purpose of Jesus Christ was to come and to make people happy, never read that was to make people feel good about themselves. That's a good thing though, isn't it? We can all agree we want to feel good about ourselves. We want people to feel good about ourselves. But Jesus Christ died on the cross that we might experience life over death. That Not that we would have a good Tuesday, but we would have a good eternity. But sin is so strong and so powerful that it doesn't let us realize that just as what was done in Jesus Christ when he rose again is supposed to be the same thing that happens in the life of somebody who believes in Jesus Christ and what he has done. That there is God's power and that God's purpose is working in the human story. Verse 11, Christ rose to unbroken fellowship. Anybody in here ever feel like God never listens to a word you say? Anybody in here ever feel like God is no more closer to us than we are to Japan? Sometimes that sin telling us that we're not important. That sin saying, "Well, God's not that worried about you." I, I hit the alarm this week. Mm-hmm. That God's not that worried about you because you can't get this right or you can't get that right. That's what sin does. It tells you that God's not worried about you. And the reality of it is, is that when sin shadows who we are to God and who we are because of Jesus Christ, it can actually keep us dead in how we live. Meaning that we don't change what we live for. And just as the world says to live for self, we find ourselves living for material things. We find ourselves living for the same things that our neighbor says are important. The neighbor thinks is important. And we don't live for the things that Jesus Christ said gives us life. You know, Scripture is very clear that doing stuff for other people actually has better payout emotionally and sometimes in the long run, everything else, than doing things for ourselves psychologists will agree with that that when we do things for other people we actually have a better sense of fulfillment than if we were to just do things for ourselves we were watching the best disney movie ever last night is princess frog and mama odie the voodoo queen shouldn't be talking about that church sure, but it's a cartoon it. when uh when prince Naveen was talking about he wants to be a human again because gets turned into a frog yeah I see, you should go watch it long back before. um anyways he wants to be rich, and she asked him the question. She said, yeah, why do you want to be rich? It never made you happy in the first place. And you see him sitting there and his little frog wheels are turning his mind. He's like, you no, know, you're right. And so dude that once had everything has nothing now has realized he's been happier with nothing than he ever was with everything. And sometimes we need to realize that. that the only everything that we're we'll going to be happy with is what Jesus Christ did and everything that he accomplished for us. But sin tells us, no, you just need this. Why don't you get that? Go after that. So the reality of it is, is that sin shadows what Jesus Christ wants to do in us and it keeps us dead. Have you ever truly considered yourself alive in Christ? That's a weird statement, isn't it? We don't think like that. world does not talk like that. But Paul says you are to be alive in Christ. That's the best kind of living I think we could ever experience in our life. To look at somebody in the middle of a bad day. Remember that statement, too blessed to be stressed? How are you doing? I'm alive in Christ, and Christ is good. You remember when somebody ever told you stuff like that? I remember asking people something. Like, how are you doing? I tell you what, God is good today. And it sends those, those chills down your spine like, that's how like I want to be today. I got to speak to you, though. I've never had to speak to you, by the Just throwing that out there for you. So verse 12, verse 14. I want to read those to you real quick. Do not let sin control the way that you live. And do not give in to sinful desires. We would probably do good to put that on a post-it note in front of us all day long. Because we give in to those sinful desires all the time. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Wear mittens when you drive if you have to. And so you'll catch that about lunch. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For if you were dead. for before you were dead. But now you have been given new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. You no longer live under the requirements of the law. But instead you live under the freedom of God's grace. If you would take verses 12, 13, and 14. And every morning when you wake up, read those verses. And set those as your only goal for the day. Your life would change in ways that you would never imagine it possible. I want to share one more thought with you and then we'll close up. The idea of responding positively to any form of what Scripture has called a sin should strike the believer as morbid. For the Christian to choose to sin is the spiritual equivalent of digging up a corpse to join us in worship. Do you hear that? How many of us live our life in Christ in the midst of corpses every day? Let's, let's be honest. Worship is not as up and jazzy as it is for some churches that we've seen. But we don't have dead people sitting here with us. But when we choose to sin, it would be the equivalent of that. Genuine death to sin means that the entire person and their perspective, the life of the believer, has been radically altered. So my challenge for you is this. When you think of your faith in Jesus Christ, do you look like someone who has become radically altered because of grace? That's what Paul is saying in the new life that has been given to you is. To be radically altered in such a way that you can't hide it. That people don't have to wonder. People don't have to ask if they know it because they see it. And when somebody asks you how you're doing, you can say, I'm alive because of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you. That's my challenge for you this week. What do you have to do? What sin do you have to die to to be radical alive in Jesus Christ? Will you join me a little bit? Most gracious, holy, perfect, loving, and heavenly God. We have never truly understand and explain your love for us apart from never fully understand our own fallen, broken state apart from the words of those that you had ordained to live beyond their days to speak your truth to us even now. God, we know that sometimes we allow sin to control us. And if we're honest, we know that most of the time when we live, we're not thinking of you and what grace has done in our lives. God, we know that's when your grace abounds. God, you have called us to life, to peace, to joy, to come alongside you to work, to war against the one who seeks. So, God, let us live our lives differently as people who have been radically altered by grace. As people who no longer live thinking as the world, reasoning as the world, but willing to abandon all thought of reason just to get a better glimpse of you or to make you known to somebody else. God, let us die to sin that we might be joined together with you. May the fellowship that we experience with you be our goal and our desire and our driving force behind everything we do. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.